And I'm going to invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 and 2 this morning. As we go to the word of the Lord, I'd like to begin a new sermon series this morning entitled, The Jesus We Can't Ignore. And I want to share with you in the next few messages about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this name upon which we call, this person in whom we have put our faith. His importance and his significance in all of history. And especially in days like the days which we are living now. We need Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he said to him. Uh, Timothy was the pastor of a church. He said to him, remember Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to do the same this morning. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world today. And our world is in the trouble it's in. Our nation is in the trouble it's in. Because it has forgotten the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it has laid aside his teachings. But you and I know better than that. And we know that there is no answer for man but Christ. That there is no hope for man but Jesus. The Bible reads in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to come together to study and to read the word of God. We thank you that you have brought us together in this house of prayer that we might hear your word. And be inspired by its truth. I ask you to anoint my lips of clay. To preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation. That we might put to work in our lives. The truths which are contained in the scriptures. We ask this in Jesus name. And everybody said amen. The Bible in the New Testament. Introduces us to a family by the name of Herod. You all will remember Herod the Great who tried to kill Jesus when he was an infant. This was a family that had some Jewish origin, but ultimately they were a pagan family that was loyal to Rome. So the Romans had put them in place in order to quell the unrest that existed among the Jewish people, giving them a so-called Jewish king although they were really under the authority of the Romans. And so we find throughout the pages of the New Testament the names of these kings and these rulers. Herod the Great, as I mentioned, tried to kill the baby Jesus in, uh, the, book, in the book of Matthew. We later read about Herod Antipas, who was the one who beheaded John the Baptist, because John the Baptist had preached to him, saying, that he was living in adultery. And as a result, John lost his head. The next generation, uh, uh, the third generation from Herod the Great would be Herod Agrippa, who would be the one who hold trial for the Apostle Paul and would say to him that he was not quite ready to be converted. And so we find the history of a family who although they had the opportunity to encounter God, and to 
encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of them missed that opportunity and they missed the greatest opportunity known to man. In the passage that I have read to you today, Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, he is a tetrarch. That means that he ruled one of the three regions of Israel after his father died. And he becomes the man who would you know, behead John the Baptist. After he had beheaded John the Baptist, the ministry of Jesus began to grow in fame. And the Bible says that the fame of Jesus came to the ears of King Herod. Herod began to hear about the miraculous healing power of Christ, about the way that he cast out devils, the way that he raised the dead, the way that he healed the sick, the way that he preached with power and great authority. And so Herod concluded and uh, tried to explain what all of this was by concluding that Jesus was the ghost of John the Baptist, that Jesus was somehow John the Baptist risen from the dead. He could not accept the reality of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. and He could not accept the truth that was before him. And so this morning, as we look at Herod, we realize, first of all, that Jesus is not that easy to explain. Herod was having a hard time explaining Jesus because, in fact, he is a little bit difficult to explain. In his time, uh, you can understand why people would not have been able to explain him. He was the son of the carpenter, yet he healed the sick and raised the dead. He was not a seminarian, yet he preached with prophetic power and authority. He was a man, and yet he had the authority to forgive sins. He was difficult to explain in his day. 400 years after the ascension of Christ, the church and the world was still trying to explain Jesus. And the Council of Chalcedon came together to try to explain the Lord Jesus Christ because some taught that the Lord was a man and not God. Others taught that he was God and not a man. Some taught, as Herod believed, that he was a ghost. And so the Council of Chalcedon came together and they, they made the following statement. That he affirmed the teachings of the scripture. That Jesus was in fact 100% God and 100% man. They said he is perfect Godhead and perfect manhood. 100% of God and 100% of man. We can understand then why men have trouble explaining Jesus. Over the last 2,000 years, more than 100,000 books have been written about the Lord Jesus Christ. 100,000 books. That means that if you and I read one book a day for the rest of our life, it would take 274 years to read all of the books that have been written uh, trying to explain the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder Herod could not explain him. He is the son of the living God. 
He is the incarnate God who lived among men. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the eternal second person of the Godhead in bodily form. He existed before he was born at Bethlehem. He was there at the creation, and he will be there at the final judgment. His name is Jesus, and he is the one with whom all of us will have to reckon and to whom all of us will give an account. This is the Jesus, friends, that you and I cannot ignore. Now, since Herod had a hard time explaining him, he did what most people do, and he tried to explain him away. You realize that in our world today, there are still those trying to explain away the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that he did not exist, that he was a myth or a legend. Others say that he did not, in fact, rise from the dead and that he is still in the grave today. They try to explain him away because they do not want to reckon with the fact that they will have to answer to him someday in judgment. Herod tried to explain him away, the way that men try to explain the work of God away in their life. And they try to explain away their accountability and their responsibility before God. Right now, America is in the midst of a wake-up call. God is calling out to our nation. He is calling us to repent. He's calling us to turn to Him. He's calling us to put Him first again. To make him the Lord of our life again. To make him part of our decisions. But what are we doing with the wake-up call? We're explaining it away. Listen, friends. What have we learned in the last three months? We've learned that in a moment, the health and security of our nation can be turned on its head. We have learned that our economy hangs on a thread and can come to a screeching, a screeching halt in a matter of a day. We have learned that our peace and the peace of our communities is uh, in upheaval and in unrest at a moment's notice. We see now our military generals who have sworn to obey the President of the United States now speaking publicly against their commander-in-chief. These things are happening in our world, and they are signs that we're in trouble. They are signs that we need God. They are God's wake-up call to a nation that he has blessed in the past and wishes to bless again. But what will we do? Will we explain it away? Will we just say, no, no, these are just some bad times and they'll pass? Or will we say, God, we need you. We want you. We have to have you in America again. Will we turn our hearts to the living God? Or will we explain away his call toward us? Antipas, Herod Antipas had an opportunity to get to know God, to get to know Christ. But he explained it away, saying, this is a ghost. He'd rather believe in a ghost story than believe in divine revelation. He would rather believe in man-made concepts and ideas, man's solutions, than turn his heart in repentance to the living God. And can I tell you, friends, any time and every time that a man, a family, or a nation rejects the truth of Jesus, the outcome is foolishness and confusion. When you and I reject God's way, we have only one way left, and that is the way of confusion. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 13. 
It says, transgressing, they denied the Lord and turned away from our God. And so what was the result of turning away from God and denying the Lord? It says, justice is turned back. And righteousness stands far away. And the truth has stumbled in the streets. And uprightness cannot enter in. Therefore justice is far from us. And righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light. But behold there is only darkness. For brightness but we walk in gloom. We grope along the wall like a blind man. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in the twilight among those who are vigorous. We are like dead men. Isaiah said, look, this nation and any nation that rejects God, that tries to explain God away, will find itself like a blind man in the middle of the, of the dark in the noon of the day when he should have the most light, when he should have the most understanding, being far from God and far from the light. That was the answer for Herod Antipas. He ended up in darkness. And the generations of his family would end up the same way. By contrast, however, if you keep reading Matthew chapter 14, you discover that there was a group of people who did want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Who didn't want to just simply explain him away. The Bible tells us that when John the Baptist was was executed, he was beheaded. That Jesus heard about this. John the Baptist was his cousin. And he was the prophet that had come to prepare the way for Jesus. So Jesus naturally felt the loss of his cousin, the loss of his friend, the loss of his colleague in ministry. So the Bible said that he went away to a place by himself, a place to pray, no doubt to gather his thoughts, to try to deal with the, the pain and the loss of the death of a loved one, the way many of us have had to experience. And yet the Bible tells us that even though Jesus was having this private moment, this time of quiet reflection, this time of prayer, that the multitude sought him out. They looked for him. They looked uh, down the shores of Galilee. They went all over the region trying to find the Lord. They had a king and a ruler who didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But they understood that there was something about this Jesus that they could not ignore. They understood that there was a power present in his life that they needed in their life. And so they looked for him. Can I tell you, friend, what the Bible says? The Bible said that if you will seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. The Bible says, call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. No one who's ever looked for God and earnestly and honestly sought after him has gone away disappointed. If you'll call upon him, he'll answer you, friend, and you will discover that the hunger of your soul can only be satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ. This multitude was hungry. They were hungry for a spiritual manna. They were hungry for the word of God. They were hungry for the presence of God. I ask you this morning, is there hunger at Kingsway Church? Is there a hunger for the presence of God? Is there a hunger and a thirst for him? Because this is God's promise to us. He says, if you will hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. God is looking today for a hungry people, a people who desire him. And who want his solutions and his answer.
for their life. This multitude looked for Jesus and they found him. And look at what Jesus did. First of all, we understand that, Jesus, that Matthew says Jesus saw them. It means that he gave them his attention. He noticed them. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus sees you? God sees you, friend. He knows where you are today. He knows the things you're facing, the challenges that are in your life, the dreams and the visions that are in your heart. He knows. He sees it. He understands. Many times you might feel as though God doesn't know or God doesn't care or God doesn't see. No, friend, he does. He's looking your way this morning. The Bible says that he told Moses about the nation of Israel. I have seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their cry and I have come down to deliver them. And that's God's answer to you today. He says, I've seen you. I know where you are. I, knew, I know what you need. And I have come to deliver you. I have come to meet your need. I have come to straighten out the crooked things in your life. Hallelujah. He has come to do the thing that no man can do in your life. Somebody ought to give God praise. Because he knows. Because he cares. Then the Bible says in Luke, Luke's account says that he welcomed them. He was going through a time of mourning. Jesus was the son of God. And yet as a man, he was mourning the loss of John the Baptist. And so he's, he's going through a time when, when respectably and understandably we would all say give him his space. And yet the Bible said that Jesus welcomed them. He had an open heart, an open mind toward them. He knew that what he had they needed. Friends, I want to tell you today that if you come to Christ, he'll welcome you. You might say, Pastor, I don't believe God could welcome me. I don't believe God could forgive me. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the places that I've been and the, the, the hurt and the harm I've caused and the way that I have impacted other people's lives. Can I tell you, friend, God doesn't look at any of that today. If you'll come to him in the name of Jesus, he'll receive you as his very own and he'll forgive your past. And he'll give you a fresh start. Come on, somebody. That's the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ today. That he says to you, no one who ever comes to me will I under any circumstances turn away. God has never turned away one faith-filled prayer. He's never turned away one broken heart that comes to him in genuine repentance and faith. He has never turned away not one sinner, not one broken life, not one broken heart. And he will not turn anyone away because he is prepared to receive you. The Bible said that he stands ready to forgive. He stands ready to receive you today. And if you'll come to him, he'll welcome you as his very own. Those of us who've walked with God, we know the glory of that, of that message, of that truth that Christ has welcomed us into his family and into the family of God. And the Bible said that he had compassion upon them. He was moved by compassion. He was moved by the, the need that he saw in the people. In one place the Bible said that he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was, he was moved in his heart, in his emotion. He was moved in his inner self for that people. And I want you to know today that God 
has an abundance of compassion toward you. The Bible says that his faithfulness is new every single morning. And his loving kindness, his compassion is greater than the highest mountain. He is a compassionate and loving God. When Moses came to him and said to him, show me your glory. The Lord showed Moses his glory by saying, he said, I am the Lord, compassionate and gracious. That's the God that you and I serve today. A God who loves you. A God who has compassion toward you. And a God who was moved by compassion on your behalf. How much does God care, preacher? He cares so much that he sent Jesus to the cross to die for you when you weren't even born yet. Before you even needed a Savior, he had already provided a Savior for your soul. And then the Bible said that he healed them. It says he healed their sick. I want you to notice that phrase with me because it, it, it helps us understand that not all of the multitude was sick. Not everybody was sick, but you see, when there's a sick person in your home, when there's a sickness in your family, it affects everybody. And Jesus healed their sick. It has the implication of the, the impact of, of addressing one person's problem, but solving the problems of 10 or 12 other people. And that is what God can do in your life. There are many families today who have a sick person in their home. Maybe you're dealing with someone who is sick of a, of a chronic disease. Constantly having to deal with doctor's visits and, and having to go to get medications and having to deal with sleepless nights. And that chronic disease affects the whole family. Perhaps some of you are dealing with a person who is mentally uh, ill in your home. And you have to deal with the, the upsets of the emotions and the, and the ups and downs of life, of trying to love someone that doesn't fully understand life itself. Maybe some of you are dealing with a sick person in your home, not because they're physically ill, but because they're spiritually lost. Because they have abandoned God or because they've rejected God and, and they rebelled against you. They rebelled against the God that you love. And today there's a sickness in your home. But I want to tell you, friend, that Jesus came to heal their sick. And Jesus will come to heal your sick as well. He comes to heal and to restore. And listen, when he puts his hand on one person's life in your home and in your family it touches the whole house and this year God has told us this he said this year breakthrough will visit your house come on is there anybody that still believes that God loves the family and that God cares for every single member of your home he healed their sick he brought breakthroughs to their houses and then the Bible says that he fed them Notice with me what's going on here. The, the, the crowd is looking for Jesus. And they're so excited about finding him, they don't think about packing a lunch. Before they know it, they've spent the whole day with Jesus. The whole day with Christ. When was the last time you spent a whole day with God? Just spend time with him. 
I don't mean on your knees with the Bible in front of you, but just in communion all day long with God. That can be every day for you. They spent the whole day with him, and the disciples came, and they said to him, Lord, the people haven't eaten, and if you send them away now, they're going to faint on the road. Let them go find something to eat. And the Bible said that Jesus said, don't send them away. You feed them. They said, Lord, all we have is five loaves of bread and and two fish. What is this for so many people? There were probably 20,000 people there that day. 20,000 hungry souls for God. And he said, you feed them. And so they said, we don't have any, anything to feed them with. One sack lunch is not going to feed this multitude. And he said, bring it to me. And they brought him the fish and the bread. He raised it up to God and he gave thanks. He broke it and he multiplied those fishes and those bread to such an extent that every single person in that, in that place ate. And they didn't just eat, they were satisfied. Every one of them not only had something to eat, but they had enough to eat to where they were full. Today I want to tell you that if you'll, if you'll come to God, if you put your faith in God, he'll feed you, friend. He'll satisfy you. The Bible said they ate and were satisfied. And if you'll come to Jesus, he will satisfy you. He'll satisfy the the longing of your heart and the hunger of your soul. Only Jesus can do that. Listen, friend, if you try to find satisfaction in a drug or an alcohol, that will leave you hungry and it will leave you thirsty. If you try to find satisfaction in sex and in pleasure, it'll leave you hungry and thirsty. If you try to find satisfaction in money and in education, they'll leave you hungry. But if you find Jesus, Jesus will satisfy your soul. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God praise if you've experienced the satisfaction that comes with knowing Christ. Can I just ask you this? In the middle of coronavirus, in the middle of an economic downturn, in the middle of rioting and panic and all of these other things, has God fed you? Has God met your needs? Has God satisfied the desire of your soul? Come on, somebody. Don't be quiet now. You and I serve the Jesus. That cannot be ignored. Hallelujah. Herod Antipas tried to explain him away. Get rid of him. Dispatch him. But this multitude decided I can't ignore him. I can't turn away from him. I want to know him. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, I want to know him. The power of his suffering and the fellowship. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Friend, because that desire resides in our hearts today, we can have the same confidence that what he did for this multitude, he'll do for you. 
And he's doing it for you right now as we speak. Because he's faithful. Because he's good. When I was in, when I was in college, I heard the story of a young Muslim girl. She was born paralyzed from her waist down. She lived in a Muslim family. And they had done everything they could to find a cure. Finally, her father said, we're going to take you to Mecca. That is one of the holiest sites in all of the Muslim religion. And you're going to go to Mecca. And when you go to Mecca, you'll be healed. They took her to Mecca. In the midst of that vast multitude, with thousands praying to Allah, to the Muslim God, that little girl came away just as paralyzed as she had been before. They made the long journey back home. And the night that she got home, she was laid in her bed by her parents. And while she was sitting there disappointed and thinking about how the last hope had been dashed, she remembered that in the Quran, she had read a phrase that said that in Galilee, there was a prophet named Jesus who did miraculous works. Now, the Muslims do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They do, however, believe that he's a prophet. And this little girl, without thinking about it, she had no Christian faith, no exposure to religion uh, or, or Christianity as we would know it. But she just said this, maybe just a thought. She said, Jesus, if you still do miraculous works, if you still heal, heal me. That night her parents were awoken by the screams of a little girl. They ran into her room and the little girl was walking across the room for the first time ever. And she was, she was shouting with excitement that she was able to walk. Her father came in and said, oh, Allah has healed you. Muhammad has healed you. She said, no. She said, tonight, a man dressed in white came into the room. And he said, little girl, I am Jesus. Rise up and walk. And that little girl walked because she called on the Jesus you can't ignore. Come on, somebody. He is. He is the Jesus. That you can't ignore. He is the son of the living God. He is the miracle working Jesus. And he wants to meet your need. And he wants to satisfy the hunger of your soul. And today, if you'll call upon him in faith, you can experience the life that only he can give. You can experience the joy that only he can give. But if you reject him, all that's left is confusion and darkness and gloom. Say yes to Christ today. Put your faith in Jesus today.
Today, friend, if you're listening to me in this parking lot or, or on the internet, wherever you are, if you say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus, you can know him today. I want you to just pray this prayer with me if that's you. If you say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord, just say these words with me. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, that I deserve judgment. But this morning, I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to give me a new start. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. That you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And I receive you into my heart by faith. I ask you to come and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, you've started a journey of faith that will lead you all the way into eternity. We want to know about it. Contact Kingsway Church. Let us know that you've decided to follow Jesus. We want to give you some resources to do that. For the rest of the body of Christ in this place and online, I want you to raise your hands where you are, and I want you to call on Jesus. Call on him for your family. Call on him for your business. Call on him for your education. Call on him for all those things that you need in your life today. Because he cares. Because he satisfies the hunger. Because he heals. Because he knows. Come on, call on Jesus. For your healing today. Call on Jesus. For your freedom today. Seek him and you will find him. When you call upon him with all of your heart.